0: I want to start with a clip from Thomas Frank. And a lot of this is going to be a Labor Day theme, which I'm renaming now, Oligarchy Day. This is Thomas Frank talking about his book, Listen, Liberal, and the origins of how we started shifting away from labor to basically a winner-take-all society. And shocker, the shift away from labor to the professional class, to the managerial class, to a bought-off political system, had a big, big, a big, big part in that was the Democratic Party now telling you vote blue no matter who. Here we go.
1: So what the the thesis of Listen Liberal, what I I write about in Listen Liberal is how the Democratic Party changed from being a party that really cared about blue collar workers, uh, you know, working class people, to being a party that cares about a very different group. Did did it actually care?
2: And, And even Roosevelt? If, like when he originally ran, he certainly wasn't running on a stimulus plan, he wasn't running on right. a big jobs program. Um, d- Did they genuinely care? Well, let me just add one point to it. Are they simply more farsighted when it comes to systemic solutions? Like Roosevelt knew that if you want to keep any form of modern democratic capitalism, yeah, it
1: has to be reformed.
2: You, you need. Yes to have a jobs program and such, or you're going to be and dealing have to have with some kind insurance. of fascism yeah. in the United States. Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. No, that's, that's exactly right. But towards the, uh, the sort of end of the New Deal era, like in the 1960s, um, labor unions were very powerful within the Democratic Party. Uh, l- members of Congress often came from a blue-collar background, came up through uh, organized labor. That sort of thing was fairly common in those days. This is not to say that they were ever a, a perfect Uh, party or anything like that, but there was, there has been a a real shift, not a cosmetic shift but a real shift. Doesn't that
2: actually begin with Truman? Like, like with Truman. Yeah, like Vice President Wallace, Roosevelt's vice oh, yeah. president. Oh, no, yeah. Right. There's been a real fights. progressive. Sure. And then you have and, kind and of a coup against Wallace. Yeah. The unions want Wallace as, as to become the president, the vice presidential nominee. Yeah. And in 45, that's kind of a coup within the
1: party and they dump Wallace and bring in Truman. And bring in I know, but that's, that's, I thought, I considered that uh, that stuff was too far uh, uh, outside of the you know, the focus of Listen Liberal, I start in the late 1960s, which is, uh, you know, there there was an enormous change in the Democratic Party, a lot of it for the better. This is in the aftermath of the Vietnam War, when the Democratic Party decided to sit down and reform itself. And they basically decided to um, remove organized labor from its structural position within the Democratic Party. Uh, This is the famous McGovern Commission in the early 1970s. Now, some of the things they did were very good and very healthy. Uh, and in their defense, I mean, by the way, once once they do this, once a party of the left, which is unfortunately what the Democrats are in our system, once a party of the left decides that it's no longer going to be a voice of working class people and instead is going to be a voice of a different group, uh, namely uh, affluent white collar professionals, which is what they deliberately chose in the uh, in the, in the early 1970s, they chose to make this transition. Um, when that happens, things like the inequality, the situation that we're in today, are inevitable.
0: So that was uh, Thomas Frank uh, describing, describing what his book is about, Listen Liberal, which I would very much, very much recommend you. Uh, credit to The Real News. He was doing an interview with The Real News, uh, which is a great progressive channel, independent media. So why I wanted to set it up with that, what I wanted to set it up with that is to then play you uh, a part of Bernie Sanders, if you have any sleeping issues, I've done this before, a part of Bernie Sanders' now infamous 2010 filibuster, which I think is instructive to the Democratic Party shift. So Thomas Frank is talking about the Democratic Party's shift in 1970. Really, if you know political history, uh, a, a really wrong reaction to George McGovern's defeat to Richard Nixon. So the Democratic Party said, oh, well, you know, uh, a, progr- a progressive populist candidate got crushed by Richard Nixon. So we have to totally abandon our New Deal roots, which have created a mostly equitable society, not for black people. Let's be clear. But for white people, a mostly equitable, a- equitable society in terms of um, income. CEOs made maybe 15, 20 times a worker. Well, let's fast forward uh, Bernie Sanders in t- 2010. This was just part of his 18 hour, uh,
3: eight hour filibuster. As part of the Republican agenda, they want to expand, and it's not only Republicans here, I must say, some Democrats as well. They want to expand our disastrous trade policies so that large companies in this country can continue their efforts to outsource American jobs to China and other low-wage countries. I think any objective analysis of our trade policies have shown that it has been a grotesque failure for ordinary Americans. Hard to calculate exactly, but I think it is fair to say that we have lost millions of decent-paying jobs. During the Bush years alone, some 48,000 factories in this country shut down. We went from 19 million manufacturing jobs to 12 million manufacturing jobs. And in this country, historically, manufacturing jobs were the backbone of the working class of this country. That's how people made it into the middle class. That's how they had decent health care benefits, decent pensions. And every day, we're seeing those jobs disappear because corporate America would prefer to do business, in China or other low-wage countries. I returned from a trip to Vietnam last year, a beautiful country. People there work for 25, 30 cents an hour. Sometimes when you go to a store, you may see a shirt made in Bangladesh. That shirt, in all likelihood, is made by a young girl who came in from the countryside into the city, one of the factories there. Now, the good news is that in Bangladesh, the minimum wage a number of months ago was doubled minimum wage in Bangladesh was doubled. It went from 11 cents an hour to 23 cents an hour. Are American workers going to be able to compete against desperate people who make 23 cents an hour? So my view, and I think it reflects the views of the American people, is that of course we want to see the people of Bangladesh and the people of China do well. But they don't have to do well at the expense of the American middle class. We do not have to engage in a race to the bottom. Our goal is to bring them up, not us down. But one of the results of our disastrous trade policies is that in many instances, wages in the United States have gone down. I believe that in the coming months, you're going to see an intensification of efforts to expand unfettered free trade. I think that will be a continuation of a disastrous policy. So that was Bernie
0: Sanders in 2010, so almost a decade ago, speaking out against the Bush tax cuts, speaking out against the extension of the Bush tax cuts by a Democratic president, then President Obama, and giving a little history lesson, giving a little history lesson on just how do we get, how do we get here to this point? where we keep giving tax cuts to the wealthy, where we have grotesque income inequality, which has only gotten worse, only gotten worse in the last decade since he made that speech. Bernie talked about wages. I talk about wages a lot. If you don't know, as we celebrate Labor Day, which again should be renamed oligarchy day because we don't really have a labor movement in this country. Yes, you're starting to see more workers striking. You're starting to see more teachers striking and having victories. Thank- thankfully, you're starting to see more communications workers striking. We've seen Verizon, now AT&T. You're starting to see people fighting back, which the oligarchy and their allies in corporate media, they want to make workers feel you, the, the fight has been lost so, and, and will never be won. So why bother holding up your signs? Why bother walking out? This is the way it is and is going to be. That is the mentality they want you to have because of charts like this. I mean, chart kind of tells itself, doesn't it? Look at the productivity skyrocket for American workers since basically the 1970s. I mean, that starts all the way in the 1950s, but look at, look at, still, you know, wages were going up a little bit, 1970 to 1980. 1980, this is only through 2010. I don't have an update Uh, all the way now. This is 2010. That is not, you know, just something that happened. That is a bank robbery. This is an intentional theft of your labor, where the wages are not going to you. The wages are going to the vultures exploiting your labor on Labor Day. That's where all that productivity went, that red line. That is where the productivity is going. But in the corporate media, that's not a topic for discussion because the corporate media, as status quo always tells you, the corporate media exists to not cover this in front of you, to cover it up. That's what the corporate media's job is, to cover up these issues. And the corporate media has helped keep that in place by not covering it, by making it seem like America, all you got to do is dream big and work hard and you'll get ahead. No, the corporate media is complicit in this. And frankly, when you have pretty much members of the top two, one to 10 percent seizing the means of information in this country, well, no shock you're going to get information, branding, and messaging from the top 1% to 10%, not the rest of us. And I think this is shown uh, in a recent study. And all of this is going to make sense. I'm doing a bit of a build up till I get to the latest with Bernie's campaign. Look at this CEO compensation has grown 940%. 940%. Since 1978, Uh, there's something very wrong here, folks. 940% since 1978. From this study, the increased focus on growing inequality has led to an increased focus on CEO pay. Corporate boards running America's largest public firms are giving top executives outside compensation packages. Average pay of CEOs at the top 350 firms in 2018 was 17.2 million. Or one, or 14 million using a more conservative measure. Stock options make up a big part of CEO pay packages, and the conservative measure values options values the options when granted versus when cashed in or realized. CEO compensation is very high relative to typical worker compensation by a ratio of 278 to one or 221 to one. In contrast to the CEO to typical worker compensation ratio was 20 to one in 1965 and 58 to one in 1989. CEOs are even making a lot more, about five times as much as other earners in the top 0.1%. From 1978 to 2018, CEO compensation grew by 1,007.5%, 940% under the options realized measure, far far outstripping S&P stock market growth and the wage growth of very high earners. In contrast, wages for the typical workers grew by just 11.9%. That's also known as the booming economy. The booming economy. One where the C- pay of CEOs has risen 940% in three decades. Nothing wrong with that. It's obscene. Absolutely obscene what is going on in this country. The theft and the dishonesty that our media perpetrates to defend that theft. Oh, Jeff, you know, oh my God, Bernie Sanders criticizes the Washington Post. Jeff Bezos is a patriot. Jeff Bezos and his ilk are the reason America is that shining city on top of a hill. He creates so many jobs for so many wonderful people and people like him. How dare Bernie Sanders say there's gambling at this establishment? So I've now set up to you. I've now set up and oh, by the way, you know, I could give you a gazillion illustrations. Here's just one Lowe's spent billions on share buybacks, zero on severance for laid off workers. This was recent. Lowe's roughly 300,000 employees are without question the home improvement chain's greatest asset, according to their boss. He offered the shout out at the retailer's annual shareholders' meetings in, in May crediting a 15% boost in the company's quarterly dividends to his workers' efforts. Yet when thousands of those workers recently got the boot, they received no notice and no severance. Instead, Lowe's, a profitable company that spent billions buying back its own stock, offered the equivalent of two weeks' transition to pay full-time workers, some with with the company more than a decade. Laid-off workers were also invited to reapply for jobs at Lowe's, though not necessarily for the same pay. Oh wow, how kind, no, no notice, no severance. You know, what Lowe's just did there, if you ever watched the Hunger Games, is the equivalent of, you know, chopping off one of the participants' heads in the, in the Hunger Games. And then, uh, you know, when they have the uh, celebration, that scene, uh, they put up the head and be like, we wouldn't have this event without this fine head that we've chopped off. Thank you for your participation, whoever was the reason to get murdered in the Hunger Games. I want to read something that I find just as appalling and dangerous, and that is what the Washington Post has consistently been doing. What the Washington Post has consistently been doing is trying to kind of compare Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump and equate Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump. Thank you, PJ coin, 10 euros, workers vote. Thank you, thank you. This is a super chat too, so go fund me, super chat, whatever you prefer. So let's read along for just a little bit because what the Washington Post is trying to do is try and persuade its readers, which mostly older establishment, that Bernie Sanders is, you know, kind of, yeah, he's got different policies, but he's basically Trump with his... Scorched earth campaign, they call it, against the media. This from the Washington Post. One scorching Saturday afternoon in July, some 70 supporters of Bernie Sanders crammed into a community room at a library here for one of the campaign's organizing sessions. The event, a, a reunion fraught with both anger and nostalgia for the last presidential cycle, was just a few miles from where the senator's supporters had erupted during the state's contentious 2016 party convention. We were not defeated, we were cheated, shouted one woman from the back of the room. Who's a little bit angry? Who's ready to work? A campaign staffer asked the crowd. Questions met with raucous applause. Among those shouting loudest was Marcia Armstrong, a 63-year-old who lives in nearby Henderson and works in customer service for a property management company. She said she was trying to find some positivity and motivation in her frustration, but others who believe the electoral process was rigged by the Democratic National Committee three years ago were less optimistic. Quote, I think they're just fed up with the whole system and some of them feel that nothing can be done to change it. I disagree, she said. I try to be positive. In 2016, Sanders and his supporters shared a visceral anger at the nation's economic and political systems, which they contend had been corrupted by wealthy capitalists. Hillary Clinton proved the perfect foe for an establishment, anti-establishment campaign. But with a sitting president who has also used anger to galvanize his base and claims to represent the antithesis of the Washington elite, some now find that aggressive messaging unappealing. Here is exactly what I'm talking about, folks. This is the complicity that tries to prop up corporate power, and in the Washington Post case, try and paint those fighting corporate theft, corporate greed, corporate barbarism as somehow dangerous. This is, if you want to say reverse psychology, I think that would be a charitable definition. Here's what they're saying. Oh, but like a sitting president who's used anger to galvanize his base. Now, some now find Bernie Sanders' aggressive messaging is unappealing. And what is complicit and subtle, well, not subtle, in this messaging? So what's complicit in this is the Washington Post trying to tell its viewers on one side, is somebody calling Mexicans drug lords, rapists, and criminals. On one side is calling for a ban of Muslims. On one side is saying, grab women by the genitals, whether they like it or not. On one side is somebody calling, uh, you know, women they don't like, uh, fat pigs. On one side is uh, basically calling, uh, you know, immigrants, they're stealing your jobs. Immigrants are, you know, uh, you know bad, a- bad hombres, you know calling Mexican judges, you know, not possible to be biased against, uh, unbiased. So that anger, that anger, which by the way is not anger, that's called racism. A lot of it's built on economic insecurity, which is real, but it's a lot of it's also built on racism. They're trying to compare that anger, okay, with trying to provide universal health care for all people, Trying to provide, essentially, universal education. Everybody goes to college, public college, for free. Trying to save the planet from, you know, carbon dioxide and methane. Melting the rest of the ice caps and basically flooding us all out. Trying to, you know, maybe give workers, like, a little more than crumbs. You know, maybe $15 an hour. Maybe, you know, some benefits that are stable maybe some resources like a labor union so they're not exploited and, and demolished. To the Washington Post, that anger is the same. The anger that I described under President Trump, it, it, what's so different about that? And the anger from Bernie Sanders. And we've seen, this game, we've seen this before from the Washington Post. This from one of their columnists a few months ago. Don, Bernie Sanders has emerged as Donald Trump on the left. I mean, you really can't make this stuff up, but you don't have to. Because what this is, and I'm not going to name names, but I know people even in my life that are good people. I enjoy spending time with them. Uh, my family, people I know that are you know, older than I, and they read the Washington Post, and they read the New York Times, and they watch, the New- they watch MSNBC or CNN, and I love them, good people. But they're just brainwashed with this same rhetoric. To say, oh, Bernie's unrealistic. Oh, stop the yelling. And frankly, you know, he comes off angry, his tone. And frankly, most of those people don't have a lot of anger themselves economically because most of those people are the winners in this Hunger game society. Not that they didn't work hard themselves to get to where they are, but they're not feeling. They're not feeling the economic squeeze. They haven't had the money stolen from them, from the elites. So they're feeling quite comfortable. Ironically, most of those people live on in coastal cities, like New York City, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Los Angeles, out of wealthy folk in Chicago. So when the Washington Post does this, and by the way, it's not just the Washington Post. Obviously, we focus on the Washington Post because they do it the most out of anyone. But when the Washington Post does this, what they're trying to do is make economic populism and economic anger. Not anger at Mexicans. Not anger at Muslims. Not anger at immigrants. Anger at this. Anger at this. What this is in front of you, folks, is barbarism. Because what's not shown on this chart is all the people in this corporation masquerading as a country that are sleeping on the streets. They're not showing you all the people, 21 to even 35 or 40, living with their parents right now. They're not showing you all the people that I've met on the road that could barely even talk when I asked to interview them because they're running to their third or fourth job. They're not showing you The people rationing their insulin, rationing their antidepressants, rationing their medicine either for life-saving medical illnesses or life-saving mental illnesses. And I got an interview to show you in a little bit with a son, a 29-year-old, who died by killing himself because his health insurance, his for-profit health insurance company, Discontinued his medication over a $20 bill. $20 unpaid bill. You're off. We're discontinuing your health care. He didn't know. He went to go fill his health insurance, his medication for his depression and psychosis. Ah, your health insurance kicked you off. Call them. Call. Oh, yeah, you didn't pay your $20 bill, so now you gotta wait. He's like, all right, I'll pay it right now. He pays it on the phone. Okay, you'll be effective uh, April for, uh, May 1st. That's in three weeks. What am I going to do till then? Eh, sorry. Well, if you have a mental health issue, sometimes it's severe enough that if you're not on medication for even a few days, you start to get down or you start to get up or whatever it is, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, you name it. Well, Danny got so down that he glued his seatbelt to himself and he drove into a river killed himself all over $20. And I have an interview with his father in a little bit, I'll show who Kamala Harris exploited the suicide of his son to pretend she is going to provide universal health care, even though she's going to do no such thing, no such thing. And the reason it keeps happening, make no mistake about it, is because places like the Washington Post are gaslighting America I want to read a little bit more of this Washington Post story because it's so ridiculous, but this is what's passing as journalism today. And by the way, just so you know, I would have absolutely no problem, none at all. I'd have no problem at all if the Washington Post just came out and said, listen, we are the paper of the establishment. We believe in centrism or you know, left of center uh, politics. That's where we stand. Uh, we believe corporations are a good thing. We believe In capitalism, and we are not for Bernie Sanders. However, we want to give all sides uh, 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 a voice, uh, but that's where we stand. That's fine. Then you can write as many nasty things you want about Bernie Sanders, as long as everybody who's reading it knows that's what it is. But when the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN are doing, and, and MSNBC are doing propaganda, well, and pretending to be neutral, then, you know, gullible, susceptible people that are reading and watching think, oh, well, maybe this Bernie Sanders is a little angry. He's too angry. Or maybe these ideas are very radical. They're not. And you know what? The reason the writers at the Washington Post aren't angry economically is because they're doing just fine to write their propaganda. The reason that I find this so egregious is, you know, the Washington Post, in this propaganda that they continually put out, is trying to make somebody fighting against the gross theft of our money, the gross auction off of our government, as equivalent or somehow, you know, mirroring. A a fascist bigot. During a spat between Sanders and Congressman Tim Ryan on the debate stage in July over how to best curb greenhouse gas emissions, Ryan's told the senator from Vermont, you don't have to yell. Ryan's campaign was quick to use the moment as a marketing ploy with new stickers. You don't have to yell. Tim Ryan 2020. Yeah, I'm sure that's working out for Tim Ryan, who's still polling, I think, at zero or one percent. For voters who yearn for the institutional change Sanders shepherded in during the 2016 campaign, but are turned off by his tenor, there are now options. Interview with dozens of Democratic voters in Washington, California, New Hampshire, and Nevada showed that many former Sanders loyalists are now playing the field for their 2020 vote. Jonathan Aaron, a, 20, a 34-year-old software engineer from Seattle, who supported Sanders in 2016, felt cheated when the DNC gave the nomination to Clinton. Now Sanders is back on the campaign trail, but Aaron no longer stands behind him. I just feel that Elizabeth Warren is more of a better understanding of it all, he said of the Massachusetts Democrat, as he perched not far from the stage where Warren would soon address 15,000 rally goers at a park in Seattle, her biggest defense uh, event to date. Sanders beat Clinton in the Washington caucus by nearly 50 point margin. The two senators from New England, longtime pals who share a common enemy in Wall Street, find themselves more similar than different when it comes to policy goals such as Medicare for All and student loan debt forgiveness, as well as a message of revolution and structural change. Here is more propaganda. What the Washington Post is doing, and CNN has done, and MSNBC has done, and frankly, they're just doing what they did in 2016. Remember the lines where they said, ah, Bernie and Hillary, they're not so far apart. There's not that many differences in policy. Now they're trying to do that. Oh, Bernie and Elizabeth, you know, two pals from New England, share a common enemy in Wall Street, find themselves more similar than different when it comes to policy goals. No, there is a difference. There is a difference. If asked, and if I got in front of Elizabeth Warren, I certainly would ask, if asked, are you willing to compromise on Bernie Sanders' Medicare for all health care plan? If she's being honest... I think she would say yes. If you ask Bernie Sanders, he would say no. Now, if Bernie Sanders were to be elected president, let's be real, politics is politics. From time to time, Bernie Sanders might have to compromise. But that doesn't mean Bernie Sanders, right after getting elected, right out of the gate, is going to compromise his core convictions. That's not, that's why people like Bernie Sanders because they know he will fight to the deaths politically for what he is proposing. On Elizabeth Warren, people do not know that. Progressives do not know that because she has shown to be a political calculator. She has been someone that is frankly willing to play with the establishment. The New York Times, Washington Post story, excuse me, the New York Times story just recently reported. She's basically been hobnobbing and having hot tea with leaders of the Democratic establishment. I don't think she's telling them, uh, Fuck off, you're gonna have to eat your broccoli. Oop, just demonetized. Swear jar. I don't think she's sitting there saying, fuck off. We're gonna burn down the house and either get out now or you'll be a rot you'll be a dead corpse politically. I don't think so. So when they try to make it seem that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they're just very differently. They're just very similar. Their plans are similar, they come from the same school, yada yada yada. Well, Bernie Sanders is talking about canceling all student loan debt. I think Elizabeth Warren's plan goes up to $50,000. Bernie Sanders, his Green New Deal plan is $16 trillion. I think Elizabeth Warren's is about two. Bernie Sanders, I mean, he don't waver on Medicare for all. Elizabeth Warren is for Medicare for all, depending on the day. Some interviews, you know, during during the town hall with CNN... She said, oh, you know, let's just get everybody to the table, and there's a lot of different pathways to get there, and yada, yada, yada. No, there's not a lot of different pathways to get there. This is what politicians who are just going with the wind, going with the political wind, that's what politicians going with the political wind say. Bernie Sanders is not like Elizabeth Warren. Frankly, if we're being real, I don't trust that Elizabeth Warren's going to fight for the things she says. Secondly you know, listen, I'm not going to knock people that voted for Bernie and now are moving over to Warren. I tell my viewers, vote for whoever you want. If they want to move away from Bernie to Warren, I think they're being naive, but that's, that's for them to decide. However, you know, it's coincidental that the Washington Post just finds some people that used to like Bernie, now like Warren, to say, oh, you know, she just has a better grasp of things than Bernie. What's the evidence for that? None. Quote, it's not as though Warren is, is content to thunder against the evildoers like an Old Testament prophet. There's much more, that's much more his prode, said uh, mode, said William Galston, a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution and former domestic policy advisor to President Bill Clinton. Sanders sees his campaign as a revolutionary mass movement to upset the established order. While Senator Warren is obviously very dissatisfied with the status quo, she describes her campaign in a very different terms and terms that I think are less scary, less scary. Well, essentially what I'm hearing from these former Bernie Sanders supporters that are now Elizabeth Warren supporters at the Washington Post, because what the Washington Post is really trying to do is brainwash people to think, Oh, Elizabeth Warren is Bernie Sanders. She just is more palatable. She's less angry. And what the Washington Post is basically trying to say is the problem with Bernie and the way Bernie could succeed, it's not that his policies are wrong. It's just that, you know, he should say it more nicely. He should say it more concretely. Instead of yelling about against us and being mean about it, he should say, um, You know, he should be more like Elizabeth Warren and say, um, gee, gosh, you know, top 1%, you know, do you mind just like stop robbing us? I don't mean to be rude. You know, I'm a capitalist down to my bones, but do you mind, you know, we'll just regulate you a little more and regulation will get us to the promised land. But, you know, I don't want to burn down the system and I'm a capitalist to my bones. This is what the Washington Post is trying to brainwash people into thinking that, Basically, Elizabeth Warren, why she's so great. And if I, you know, by the way, I didn't even show you that. I didn't show you this yet. But here's just the latest propaganda. This from yesterday, two days ago. Why Elizabeth Warren is the one to watch from the Washington Post. Finding a Republican of all, of all people to say Elizabeth Warren is the one to watch. So on this, you know, it's not just the Washington Post isn't just finding Democrats to prop up Elizabeth Warren. They're finding Republicans, uh, this is systematic folks. This is totally systematic. I showed you this on Friday, but if you didn't see it, look at CNN 's fuckery. Here we go, and a large lead
2: for, for all of the Democratic front runners there. Uh, tell us what this news means for the president, how seriously are they taking these numbers?
1: I mean what, what Harry was pointing to with the economy I, I think that uh, I mean that number is problematic for sure for the president cause
0: did you see something uh? Did you see something wrong with that? Anything wrong with that graphic? CNN and MSNBC has been caught doing this too. Is literally, literally, just making up numbers. You know, in mathematics, in that graphic, Bernie Sanders is 14 points above beating Donald Trump in the latest polls. Elizabeth Warren is at 12 points. So Bernie's beating him by 14. Elizabeth Warren beating him. By 12. It's not bad. Elizabeth Warren beating him by 12 is impressive too. But CNN somehow swapped those two things where Bernie by 14 is shown below Elizabeth Warren by 12. I don't want to take credit, but I tweeted that out and called out CNN for their fuckery. And then, you know. Coincidentally, just these an hour also later. These are some
3: really interesting numbers because part of Joe Biden's strength has been this case that he's making to Democratic primary voters that he's the most electable. But take a look at these head-to-head matchups in this Quinnipiac poll. Almost every single one of the Democratic frontrunners are beating Donald Trump in a head-to-head matchup. Biden with a big lead. Bernie Sanders, 53 to 39 percent over President Trump, as is Elizabeth Warren, as is Kamala Harris, as is Pete Buttigieg.
0: And, you know, some people on Twitter were saying, oh, Jordan, sometimes graphics people or the producers get graphics wrong. No. This has happened several times on CNN, on MSNBC. I saw one instance on MSNBC where they literally said, oh, Elizabeth Warren has taken the lead over Bernie Sanders in a New Hampshire poll, when the poll on screen showed they were tied. And this is what brings me down, brings me, to the whopper of all whoppers where the Washington Post has the audacity to fact check Bernie Sanders as three Pinocchios for saying 530,000 families or 500,000 families, I think it was, declare bankruptcy every year because of medical bills. So I thought this piece was great. As you know, the Washington Post gave Bernie Sanders three Pinocchios that he said over 500,000 people, declare or families declare bankruptcy due to medical debt. Bernie Sanders' campaign has called for the Washington Post to retract that. Let's take a look. Medical debt debt is a major driver of personal bankruptcy. This is a fact that Bernie Sanders highlights on the stump in support of his Medicare for All proposal. Sanders who is more fond of the statistic then stories drives home the point with a big number. 500,000 people go bankrupt every year because they cannot pay their outrageous medical bills, he said on TV recently. The Washington Post has a political political fact-checking department and the aim is admirable to hold, a, hold candidates accountable and call them out when they're pe- playing fast and loose with the truth. But as the Post's recent check of Sanders' medical bankruptcy stat underscores, The paper's pursuit of facts can at times go off the rails. I think this is a bit generous to the Post. I wouldn't give them, oh, you know, it's virtuous what they try to do. The Washington Post is a propaganda mill. Let's call it what it is. The Post piece gave Sanders three Pinocchios for the claim on medical debt, which is the paper's shorthand for mostly false. To have earned three Pinocchios, we assume Bernie's claim is a real doozy, one wooden puppet short of a whopper. So what's the matter with the statistic As it turns out, nothing much at all. Sanders' team told the Post that the Vermont Senator was relying on an estimate published in a medical journal that found that 66.5% of bankruptcy filers cited either medical bills or missed work due to illness as a reason they went broke. The journal itself said this was the equivalent to about 530,000 medical bankruptcies annually. At first glance, it appears Bernie understated the problem by rounding down. The checker did an admirable thing and reached out to the author of the study, Dr. David Himmelstein, a professor of public health in the CUNY system and a lecturer at Harvard Medical School. When we asked Himmelstein whether Sanders was quoting his study accurately, the fact check reporter said he said yes. So I don't need to read any more of this. You get the point. So what's even more remarkable about this This is from the Washington Post in February, February of this year. A new study has found medical problems contribute to 66.5% of all bankruptcies, a rate that has mostly remained the same since before the ACA passed. The study, published in the American Journal of Public Health, found before the ACA went into effect 65.5% of people in debt cited medical concerns contributing to bankruptcy compared with 67.5% in the three years after the health care law was implemented. It found 530,000 families deal with bankruptcies related to illness on medical bills. Um, excuse me. What is this? The Washington Post says it found 530,000 families deal with bankruptcies related to medical bills, But I thought that was three Pinocchios. I thought that was three Pinocchios. And then you have the Washington Post twisting itself into a human pretzel. This is from Glenn Kessler, who is the fact checker, who said, because uh, some Warren Gunnels, who's the senior advisor to Bernie Sanders, asked, called out the Washington Post for saying Bernie Sanders claim of medical bankruptcies wasn't peer-reviewed. So Glenn, the fact-checker who gave Bernie three Pinocchios, this is false. Article did not say it was not peer-reviewed. We quote an editor saying the editorial did not undergo the same peer-reviewed editing process as a research article, but note it used a methodology similar to what the researchers used in 2005. Matt Taibbi of Rolling Stone, called out this buffoonery, propaganda, and free. quote, we didn't say the article wasn't peer-reviewed, we just said it didn't undergo the same peer-reviewed editing process as a research article, despite using a methodology similar to another peer-reviewed study, has to go in the doublespeak hall of fame. I mean, folks, I don't know how much more clear it has to be made. These people are propaganda merchants. This kind of propaganda is not much different than the propaganda you see out of other countries, state-run media. The Washington Post, in its own paper, cites the same exact number that Bernie Sanders put out. So the Washington Post, day-to-day, I've already shown you, they're go-to now. They got three things going. All in all, in the span of a week, all in the span of a few months, try to equate Bernie Sanders with Trump. Try to compare the anger of Bernie Sanders supporters, economically, which I would call justified anger, justified um, hurting, and also passion, with the anger of Islamophobes, uh, you know, anti, you know, anti-immigration folks. You know, flat earthers, trickle downers, all these people that love Trump. Try to compare that anger with that anger. They're also trying to prop up Elizabeth Warren. And they're also basically calling themselves liars. They put out that same, same statistic. And if you look at, uh, let me get it up here. If you look at the Twitter of Bernie Sanders' uh, senior advisor, Warren Gunnels, who demanded a retraction from the Washington Post. For this false claim, the Washington Post refused to retract its fact checking, accusing Bernie of lying by saying 500,000 Americans will go bankrupt this year for medical bills. The author of the study that Bernie Sanders was citing said even the 530,000 figure is an underestimate of the number of people affected by medical bankruptcies sad. And he puts right here, the Washington Post response to the Sanders campaign request for a retraction. The campaign of Vermont, Bernie Sanders has asked for a retraction on a recent fact checker column that awarded the Democratic presidential candidate three Pinocchios. The campaign raised two points of contention, neither of which holds up. The fact checks cities Fact, the fact check cites two instances in which Sanders states the medical bills caused 500,000 bankruptcies a year. To back that claim, the campaign cited a March 2019 editorial published in the American Journal of Public Health. That study did not seek to determine what causes bankruptcies, only factors that contribute to them. On this basis alone, the statements by Senator Sanders are misleading. The study found that 44% of respondents said they, were, they very much agree that the medical expenses or loss of work related to illnesses contributed to their bankruptcies. Another 22% said they somewhat agreed. By combining both groups, the study estimates that medical-related issues were a contributing factor in around 530,000 bankruptcies per year. Senator Sanders overstates that finding in his statements, which identify medical debt as the sole reason. You have got to be f***ing kidding me with this bullshit. You've got to be kidding. The dishonesty... And really what they're trying to do is like, you know, pick at semantics. But guess what? The very polling that the Washington Post does, because like many other outlets, there's polls on the presidential elections. There's polls on issues that the Washington Post authors or partners with. The very polls that the Washington Post do themselves exercise in the same exact thing that Bernie Sanders was referencing. The last thing I'm going to say on this The last thing. The Washington Post wants to make Bernie Sanders and his supporters look like, you know, a bunch of angry radical leftists. They want to make you make, basically, they want to make the voters that tend to uh, vote the most older people, establishment people they want to make those voters uneasy. They want to make those voters think there's something dangerous about Bernie Sanders and his supporters. And they also want to make it seem that his claims are not backed up by facts. And not only is is he angry, not only is he radical, but he's also a liar. This is part of the corporate propaganda that keeps this barbarism growing. This is part of the corporate barbarism and propaganda and theft of your money that keeps the money trickling in To the very owner of companies like the Washington Post, that would be Jeff Bezos and Amazon who own the Washington Post.